Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is All In by Pastor Sean Wood. Word of worship, every moment around your table, every moment in fellowship, every moment with your word open, it's all about you. And so my prayer today, right here, right now, is Jesus, use me to glorify your name. Open our hearts, open our eyes to see more of your glory. I thank you for your word that it never returns void and I pray that we would have ears to hear this morning. In your glorious name, amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, please meet me in Exodus chapter 4. We continue our series through the book of Exodus. Uh, I don't proclaim to be a surfer. There's a reason for that, which I won't expose. Um, fact is, I can't surf. However, I remember uh, some years ago watching a documentary, uh, and it was an interview with, if I had a favourite surfer, a guy that would be my favourite surfer, Australian surfer. That's a guy by the name of Mick Fanning. Everybody would know the name Mick Fanning, right? And of course, he's my favourite because of the whole punch the shark in the face kind of thing, right? It's, it's a very Aussie thing to do, right? It's, you know, I'm out here surfing, you get out of my water. It's, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure it quite went that way, and he didn't quite describe it that way. But I did appreciate uh, one thing that he described. They, they asked him about surfing and what it was that kept driving him back. And he said, you know what? He said, there's that moment when he says, you sit out on the ocean for a long time. And he said, you're waiting for your wave. And he says, there's that moment when you feel that this is your wave and, and, and you get up on the board and you get to the crest of the wave. He said, it's like time stands still. And he says, you have a choice. You can either back back off the wave, he says, or you tip over the front. And when you do, he says, you're, it's full commitment. You are all in. And there's no turning back. And uh, I appreciated that because in a moment, I felt he described much of the Christian life. How many of us does God bring to the crest of that wave asking us to dip ourselves over the front of that wave and how often do we back off? I'll get the next wave, Lord. I'll catch the next ride. This is not my wave, this is for somebody else. It's your wave if you're on the board, right, bro? If you're on the board and you're up, it's your wave. I believe that in many ways, many of us have been brought to that point. And so today I want to ask you, are you all in? Because somewhere in the last 2,000 years, we have invented a third response to God and the person of Jesus. Somewhere in the last 2,000 years, we, we have gone from you either reject Jesus or you're all in. If you read the Gospels, they are the two responses. You, you, but somewhere along the line, I wonder whether we have developed a, a neutral territory, a place where we just think we're comfortable sitting out in the ocean, right? Where, where there's kind of, yes, we love Jesus. Yes, we are saved. But, but there's so much of this life that we want to live. There's so much of this life that we try to grab hold of. We, we think that we can have Jesus in one arm and all of the world in the other arm. And none of that is biblical. There is no such response in the scripture. I don't know where we find a place in scripture where anything except for all in or all out exists. 
This morning, uh, we're going to work through a passage. And if you're sitting here today and you're saying, you know what, I, I want to go all in. It is really, really simple. We complicate it. But the reason this morning I think this is important is because Moses, we will see, is on the cusp. God wants to take Moses deeper. God wants to take people in this room deeper. And we are the ones holding ourselves back. Often where our prayer meetings are filled with God move. Uh, God is moving. Often our prayer meetings are filled, take us deeper, Lord. He's waiting for us. And if you're sitting here this morning saying, well, you know what? I want to go all in. How many of us have got the same first word that Moses has? You will see that God has just told Moses, I'm going to deliver Israel. I'm going to use you to deliver my people Israel. And the first word out of Moses' mouth in chapter 4 is but. How often do we answer God, yeah, but. But you don't know what I've done wrong Yeah, but I haven't been to Bible college. I'm going to give you three names now and I could give you a lot more of people that God has used very powerfully and have never been to Bible college. Smith Wigglesworth, A.W. Tozer and C.H. Spurgeon. So if that's you this morning and you're saying I'm too young or I'm too old or I've got to go to Bible college before God will use me, three men immediately. By the way, Jesus never went to Bible college either. But if God calls you to Bible college, friends, go. But what I'm trying to say is sometimes it's not about what you don't have. And often we put off going deeper with God because, well, I just have to get all, all my stuff together. Well, just I, I'm in a really busy season at work, so just let me get all this done, Lord, and then I'll, then, and then I'll go all in for you. Well, today is the day of salvation, friends. Today is the day you can take that step. Today is the day that you can go deeper with God. That's the good news this morning. And under there is an undertone as we read chapter 4, as we work our way through, we're going to have a look at uh, how God wrestles with Moses. He's been wrestling with Moses since chapter 2, by the way. But as he wrestles with Moses, we're going to see that Moses had all the same complications that we have. Apart from the person of Jesus Christ, I lay a challenge before everybody in the church. Please read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation and show me one person that God has used that was perfect. There's a common thread you'll find. Every single one of them were a complete and utter hot mess. Some of them were deeply sinful. Some of them were rebellious. Some of them were idolatrous. But they all had one thing in common which today can be the same for each one of us. For those that have been journeying with us, we know that uh, God called Moses to turn aside. He lights a burning bush. I believe God still lights burning bushes today, trying to get us to turn aside, trying to get us to focus our attention on him. And it looks different for each one of us. But then when he does turn aside, Moses has got some questions. First question Moses asks is, who am I? Who am I that you would send me, Lord? Who am I? God answers, uh, this isn't about you, Moses. It's all about me. My presence will be with you. I will go with you. Uh, Oprah Winfrey and Brad Pitt both have said that they have no interest in the God of the Bible for one reason. When they read the Bible, they said it's all about God and his glory. They got that part right. (laughs) Newsflash. As you work your way through the Bible, it's not about you. It's all about him. And I say that because our deepest joy is found in a life that's all in for God's glory. 
And so church becomes really simple, right? We, we, we don't sing songs here on a Sunday morning because somebody or somebody may or may not like them. We sing them because we want to glorify God together as a congregation. And, and we don't do anything motivated for any other reason than we want to bring God glory. That extends to our workplace. That extends to the schoolyard. Well, how can I glorify God? You can glorify God the moment you leave these doors. Getting an amen up the back already. Thank you, brother. Verse 4, chapter 1. We now move to the third question. Remember, there was three questions. Who am I? Who are you? I love how God answers that. Who are you? When I go to Israel and tell them who's calling, who will I say is on the end of the line? God says, I am. And in a moment, God disperses all attempts to define him. For those that were here when we covered the first two questions, you'll know that uh, the greatest, I think some of the greatest challenges and ills that lie at the bottom of the Christian life that we face is the reality that we try to take God and refine, define and modify him instead of accepting him for who he is and adjusting our lives accordingly. Who are you? I am who I am. Then Moses answered, but, (laughs) but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Verse 2, the Lord said to him, I love this, what is in your hand? I want to ask everybody in this room this morning, what is in your hand? Often we think we're waiting for God to fill us with some super duper anointing. Uh, We're going to answer this question in a moment, what it was that was in Moses' hand. But uh, interestingly enough, it's not necessarily about what's in a person's hand, but what we do with it. You see, when we think about how God can work in amazing circumstances and display his glory and his power, let's just take a few people that had something in their hand for a moment, shall we? Uh, In Judges, we find, uh, Judges chapter 5, I believe it is, that that Shamgar takes an ox goat and slays 600 Philistines with an ox goat. I challenge everybody here to know what an ox goat probably is, but uh, that's a sermon for another day. But we know about Samson and the jawbone of a donkey. Slays a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. Not some super-duper holy anointed sword. No, no, just a jawbone from a donkey. A little shepherd boy slayed a giant with five pebbles. He only used one, five pebbles in a sling. And Jesus fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. Highlighting the most important fact, it's not about what we have, it's about whose hands we place it in. You see, I used to play football, but to this day, If you place an AFL football in my hands, it's worth 60 bucks, right? But you put an AFL football in the hands of Gary Ablett Jr. and immediately it's worth half a million dollars. If you put a golf club in my hands today, not only have you just ruined a good walk, you've devalued the golf club. (laughs) We start going backwards. But you put a golf club in Tiger Woods' hands and it's worth millions of dollars. And so I challenge you today, friends, what do you have in your hands? This isn't about what you don't have. This is about what you have right now that maybe God is waiting for us to put in his hands. Let's see what happens when Moses does that. What did Moses have in his hands? Moses, if we read on, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he says, well, it's a staff. 
Now, this isn't some super-duper staff. This, isn't, this wasn't a piece of driftwood found on the shores of Tasmania. This wasn't anointed by some super-duper guru, blazer-swinging anointed preacher that's come over from America and anointed this stick. This is just a stick that was laying on the ground. But by the time we finish this chapter, this staff will be called the Staff of God. Remember when you're in school and you had all those pencils and you used to take the end off it and then write your name? There's going to be a new name on this staff. You see, Moses is out in the back of nowhere with a bunch of sheep and a stick in his hand. God says, what have you got in your hand? He says, I've got a staff. And with that staff, we know, just briefly right now, we know that with that staff, God will use that to part the sea. Uh, Israel will walk through the Red Sea as if it was on dry ground and they will drown the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea by that staff. That staff will be used to strike a rock, which it shouldn't have done. He should have spoken to the rock. That's a sermon for a little bit later on. But Moses will strike a rock with that staff and provide water for the entire amount of Israel in the middle of a desert. And we also know that when Moses lifts that staff above his head, Israel gains victory over their enemies. You see, this isn't about the staff. This is about whose hands it's in. This isn't about what you do or what you don't have. This is about whose hands it's in. God's about to teach Moses a very powerful, powerful lesson. It's a lesson that we shall not miss. We can't possibly miss this lesson. What is that in your hand? And he said, it's a staff, just an ordinary staff, right? But have a look at what happens and have a look at the order that it happens in. God says, and he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. And here's a wonderful lesson that uh, God is highlighting to Moses and he is teaching us that power always follows obedience. Let's read on. Let's see, if, let's see if it was a one-off, right? So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. So this wasn't like, for those that read the pastor's comments this morning, this wasn't like Steve Irwin. Moses isn't dancing around this thing going, crikey, isn't she a beauty? No, he's running away from it. <laughs> Can we be clear for a moment? There's nothing magical about this staff. Nothing mystical about this staff something very powerful about our God. Hands up, those who believe we need to see the power of God back in our lives and in the church. My hands up. If there's one thing the church of Jesus Christ needs right now, it is the power of God. We've run out of our own power. We've come to the end of our own power. We've come to the end of all of our good ideas now. God, we need your power. So he threw it on the ground and he ran from it. No crikey, verse 4, but the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Now this, is a, this isn't a pet snake. This is something that he has to trust God. And what happens when he obeys? Catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his hand. And these are three signs, three signs that God gives to Moses to take back. The third one is not demonstrated here. The first two are, and they are a sign pointing towards belief. Power always follows obedience. Obedience requires risk. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> obedience requires risk. The, the greatest fruit 
grows right out on the edge of the limbs, right? I remember when, uh, back in Tasmania, a uh, church I was involved in there, uh, Lagana Christian Church, great church, uh, full of great people. And uh, at one place, we had a retired physician and his wife, a wonderful couple, uh, had this elaborate garden. And right next door, we had another family that were from the church, and they had three boys. Oh, man, talk about full-time work, these guys. These, were, these, these boys were adventurous, to say the least. And I can remember that uh, John and his wife had gone away and they said, look, can you take care of the place for us? And I said, yeah, no worries. And they said, look, the boys from next door, they come over. It's all good. Uh, They just come and go as they please. And uh, uh, John had a path that went right down the side of his house, reasonably steep. Most stuff in Tasmania is. That's why we grow goats down there, not sheep. And so the path was reasonably steep. And halfway down, there's this huge arch full of kiwi fruit, like a big vine going over the arch. And all of the kiwi fruit at the both ends on the low side, they were gone, right? And to my horror, I've come round the corner. You know the boys I'm talking about. I've come round the corner, and here's... God bless their cotton socks. I'll never get this image out of my mind. Here's the two oldest boys at the bottom of a huge ladder holding the ladder. And here's the youngest of them on his tippy toes right on the top rung, reaching for the kiwi fruit at the top. Immediately, I thought, wow, right? But the best fruit sometimes takes the greatest risk, friends. Sometimes the greatest power is in the greatest obedience. Maybe what God's waiting for today from us is that step of obedience. It's going to take risk, right? God always calls us into waters that we are untested and we don't know. God has revealed enough of himself to make faith reasonable, but friends, he has disclosed, he has hidden enough of himself to make faith essential. A relationship with God is about faith, it's about stepping out. Uh, I think on Wednesday night we may have covered this briefly, but for, for everybody that slams Peter right, gets out of the boat, takes two steps and starts to sink, don't forget, he's still the only disciple that walked on water. Might only be two steps, but he walked on water. I've tried it. It would have enhanced my fishing, right? The shepherd staff shows Moses that what was once common and impotent becomes powerful when it's yielded in obedience to God. So this morning, this is not about your history. This is not about everything you may or may not have done wrong in the past. This is not about what you could have done, should have done, would have done. That's, that's not the discussion we're having right now. The question God has for everybody in this room is, what do you have in your hand? And is it yielded to me? God's waiting for us to get up on the way, friends. Come with me down to verse 10. Moses isn't finished and God's not finished. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. How many amens can we get to that this morning? Amen. Either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And there's enormous evidence that Moses actually had a stutter or a speech impediment of some kind. And what what Moses is saying to God right now is, how could you send me back to talk to Pharaoh, right? Why would you send me back? Why, why would you? I, I've got a problem with the way that I speak. I have, I have a setback and God has an answer for Moses that maybe he has for us 
as well, he says to Moses, he said, hang on, the Lord said to him, he says, who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute? Or deaf? Or seeing? Let's keep reading. Or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth. What we learn here is, as we're coming to the pointy end this morning, what's highlighted through Moses is God is not after our great ability. God's after our availability. God's waiting for every one of us to put our hand up and say, here I am. Just like Moses did. Just like Isaiah did. Who will go? Isaiah piped up and said, here I am, Lord, send me. Unbeknownst to him, it would end with him being placed inside the hollow of a tree and sawn in two. For those that read Hebrews 11, some were sawn asunder. That's a reference to Isaiah. But God is waiting for every one of us not to, not to enhance our resume, not to wait until we finish Bible college, not to wait until we uh, get all the ministry credentials that we need. God's not waiting for those things. God's waiting for you to say, here I am, God. Take what I've got right now. I will serve you no matter what. It's quite, for those that were here Wednesday night, God's waiting for us to burn the boats. 1519, Spanish uh, invader lands and his, his men had become enormously discouraged. And so uh, to, just to let them know that we're here and we're going to conquer, they burn the boats. There's no going home, no going back. God's waiting for us to reach a place where we say, Lord, here I am. No matter what comes after that, here I am. No, no matter the struggles, no matter the challenges, no matter the trials, here I am. Use me for your glory, God. God wants Moses to surrender. Doesn't want his resume. read on (laughs) now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say or what you shall speak verse 13 but he said oh my lord please send someone else lord please send someone else haven't you got somebody else anybody ever read the the prophet Jonah and ever wondered why God kept going with Jonah Why didn't you just find someone else, God? Because it was all about Jonah. It was all about God's glory. Jonah steps on the shores of Nineveh, does not mention the name of God, says four words, and the whole city, including the animals, the cats, repent. Please send someone else. Verse 14, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. We're going we're gonna to see in a moment. There are a confusing couple of verses in this chapter, but they highlight something. Whichever way you interpret these verses when we get to them, they highlight something very important. With God, all in means all in. It doesn't mean all in, but I'm going to take a few sins with me. You know the whole story of Jacob, Rachel and Leah, and they all take off from the barn and Rachel's got a bag full of idols. That's not all in. 
you've got to leave the bag full of idols at home. All in Jeremiah's day, I love the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, uh, for those that uh, don't know, I was at Lagana for six years that I was at Lagana. Uh, we did a series on the book of Jeremiah for six years. We cut it down. <laughs> yes, Andrew can talk. But apart from that, what was highlighted was there was a moment which stuck out to me when Jeremiah confronts the priests and the leaders of that day and says, you guys come out here, you're dressed in all the fine clothes, you put on all the pomp and ceremony, everything looks good. But behind the curtain, the presence of God left a long time ago because your idols are shoved behind the curtain. All in means all in. D.L. Moody said, we are yet to see what God will do with a man who has wholly surrendered to him. D.L. Moody went on to say, I intend to be that man. I wonder what God would do today with men and women that said, I am all in God. No matter what comes in front of that, no matter what comes next, I am all in. Moses will be all in. It looks a little bit like this. If we come down to verse 18, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Verse 19, and the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. Verse 20, so Moses took his wife and his sons. He had them ride on a donkey. It's a story for another day. And he went back to the land of Egypt and Moses took the staff of God in his hand. It's no ordinary staff anymore. All the way through this chapter, God is seeking from Moses the same thing he's seeking from us. Let's keep reading this couple of confusing Verses And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles. Excuse me, I lost my place. All the miracles that I've put in your power, but I will harden his heart. That's a sermon for another day. But just so that before we get there, uh, it is translated differently, but in the Hebrew, it's exactly the same. But some places it says, but I will harden his heart. And in other places it says, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And before we get to that sermon for another day, I do have to ask the question, how much work do you think God had to put into harden Pharaoh's heart? Sometimes how much work does he have to put into harden our heart? <laughs> so that he will not let the people go. Verse 22, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. That's a sermon for another day too. It's huge. Verse 23, and I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. Another sermon for another day. Now we come to the verses which are a little bit interesting. Verse 24, it says, at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Sounds... It's a bit confronting. You call Moses... You get him to the place you want him and then you're going to take him out the back door. Stop the bus. Verse 25, then Zipporah, she knows what's going on. That's his wife. 
Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. And there are a range of interpretations. There are a range of commentaries, but there's one theme that runs through them all. (laughs) When God says all in, he means all in. And the problem with the circumcision is, circumcision was identification with God and his covenant. And so Moses, you can't go, you can't fulfill the call, you're not going to go halfway, you're not going to go three quarters of the way, you're not going to go two thirds. All in means all in, and until you are all in, no part the way. What God wants from Moses is the same he wants from us, he wants our surrender. Uh, deeply appreciate uh, when I was in primary school, the only books I actually finished reading were the C.S. Lewis series, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Unbeknownst to me when I was reading them in primary school, they're saturated in gospel. Absolutely saturated. He is a C.H. C.S. Lewis was an absolute wordsmith in how how he did it. There's one book and one scene that stands out to me and for those that know the literature, uh, you'll know that the lion Aslan of Narnia, you know Narnia is the real world, uh, interesting how it's all painted and of course they live in the temporary world and, and the ruler of the real world Narnia is a lion by the name of Aslan and who's a representative of Christ and in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader there's a really interesting uh, scene where a grubby snotty little boy by the name of Eustace gets turned into a dragon and After some time, Aslan gets hold of Eustace and leads him right up this high mountain. And I didn't really grasp this until I saw the movie on Netflix. And then I kind of got the imagery. Takes him right up on this mountain and there's this huge, great big well up there. And and Aslan wants to take Eustace and, and wants to do a deep transformational work in Eustace. And it all involves getting into this well. Eustace knows straight away He wants to get in the well. But you can't get in with his dragon skin on. And so, and the movie pictures it beautifully. So what Eustace tries to do is he begins to try and scratch off that dragon skin. He he begins to try and scratch off layer after layer after layer after layer after layer. And the, the deeper he goes, the more callous, the more wrinkly, and the more hard that layer is. Finally, Eustace knows there's only one answer. And the greatest scene in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader is where that grubby, snotty little boy that was turned into a dragon comes and submits himself to Aslan. And Aslan cuts him and cuts him deep. And it hurts for a while. But that layer is removed and then Aslan picks him up and chucks him into the well and immediately he's turned back into a boy. So much of that story, we are Eustace. And so much of that story is God waiting for us to come and submit to him. He wants to take us deeper. He wants to place us in the transforming world. Sometimes he has to cut us deep to take us deeper with him, to draw us closer. Sometimes it hurts, right? But God's waiting for our surrender 
And he's waiting for our submission. I finished this morning asking you the question, are you all in? Are you going to back off the wave? Or are you all in? There's no, two, there's no third option with Jesus. Jesus is waiting for us to say, here I am, Lord. Do whatever you have to do. Let's pray. Father, if we're honest, we all back off that wave sometimes. Lord, if we're honest, we go through much of our lives trying to scratch off that outer layer ourselves. We, we go through much of our lives trying to make ourselves worthy, trying to, trying to make ourselves holy, trying to make ourselves ready. When all you want is our availability and our surrender. Lord, the reality is that we're all a hot mess. We all have weaknesses. We all have flaws. And we all de- desperately, desperately, desperately need the completed work of Christ. But Lord, we want to go deeper for you. We want to draw closer to you. We want to know your presence and your glory more. And we ask for your help this morning. I pray, Lord, that every heart would surrender. That every heart would submit to you this morning. In your wonderful name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.